0: Good morning and welcome to Lighthouse Church, where everyone matters. If we haven't met yet, I'm Becky, pastoral care for Lighthouse Church, and we are honored to have you with us today. If you're a guest with us, would you please stop by Inside Lighthouse at the back of the sanctuary on your way out? We'd love to greet you, put a gift card in your hand, and answer any questions that you have about our church. If you're asking how can I get involved here at Lighthouse, well, I'm glad you asked. Step one is to fill out a Connect Card, whether in person or online. Step two is to scan the QR code and register for our quarterly New Friends Lunch where you can meet the pastors and find out more about what we believe. Step three is to download the Church Center app and find out all about our teams, groups, Bible studies, and classes. Because at Lighthouse, we believe everyone has a seat at the table. So slide on down in your row, make room on the ends, and let's get ready to worship our Most High King together.
1: I have a seat. I am going to do the best that I can here to articulate what I believe the Lord has dropped down in my heart for this Sunday service. Um, our white noise conference was Uh, incredible. It was incredible. And the only reason why it's incredible is because God shows up. The only reason why we come to church should be to encounter the love of Jesus. Let, Let just not forget that this is a building, a gathering, a meeting place. But please understand that God's heart is not to fill a building. It's to fill a people. God wants to fill a people he's looking for vessels to pour himself into. And guess what? You're that people. But when the people of God who are filled with the Spirit come together in unity under the person of Jesus Christ, man, things begin to shake. And we begin to live in the reality of Jesus's prayer on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And one of the things I'm really passionate about is helping people and encourage people to look for, lean into, and be passionate about pursuing the experience with God. We don't do that very well. As church people, we don't, we, we don't, most Christians don't engage and go after the experience. Let me tell you, my friends, this book is not just a book. This is the written, alive word of God. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is not sleeping, God is awake, God is not snoozing, God is engaged. He is looking to and fro in the earth, looking to where He can land His presence. He's looking for a place. He's looking Looking for a people that will host him. This book is alive. And please understand, Jesus did not cross the cosmos to come into your life just to save you and leave you alone. Oh, listen, let me tell you something. You're a work in progress. Oh, I thought that was going to go over well. It didn't. You're a work in progress. And I'm a work in progress. Thank God he didn't just come and forgive me of my sins. Thank God he's invited me into a life of transformation. Come on, I'm not gonna, God is not gonna leave us broken. He's not gonna leave, he, yes. all right, all right, all right. I try to behave, I try to behave. The word of God, listen, the word of God is his word and it is the gateway, the doorway into God's spoken voice. God's word and God's voice. Listen, you can encounter and have an experience with God. I'll prove it to you. Let's go to the word, all right. At the end of John, My boy, John, I love the book of John. At the end of John, the last thing he records is this. I, John, am the disciple who has written these things to testify of the truth we have known and what we have documented is accurate. Jesus did countless things that I haven't even included here. And if every one of his works were written down and described one by one, I suppose that the world itself wouldn't have enough room or enough books to contain them. Hold on. Let's just jump. Let's just keep on going. So you go from the book, the last book of uh, or John, the last chapter, and you just move right on over. And then Timothy or um, Luke writes, "I write to you again, my dear friends, to give you further details about the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. All the things that He did and taught just before He ascended into heaven. Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the apostles He has chosen. After the suffering of the cross, Jesus appeared alive." Many times, someone say, many times times. Jesus appeared alive many times to these apostles over a 40 day period, proving to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom. What he's telling us there is that there are truths of God's kingdom that come in encounters. There are truth in God's kingdom that are activated in experiences. And so I'm here to stir and to encourage and to get you moving and continuously moving to the experiences of God. This is why I know that there are a lot of Christians that, that are, are really struggling with this because when they pray and it doesn't happen, they quit. Come on. They stop. But my Bible says that when we pray, when we contend for the promises of God, the promises of God are yes. And amen, they're sure, they're real, they're sufficient. And so we have too many people who are just like praying and they're like, well, it didn't work. Let me tell you something. If you work this, it will work. It will work. And, and, and my passion is to try to just highlight the invitation that Jesus released in the earth. His invitation is simple. It's very simple. It's this. Come. 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 This is the invitation for Jesus. What he is doing is he's inviting people to say, hey, I'm the bread of life and outside of me there is nothing, so, so come. This is what he told the disciples. He told the disciples, come and see. When they were in the middle of a storm and Jesus is walking on water and Peter's like, Jesus, if it's really you, guess what Jesus said? Jesus said, come, come. He didn't give him a pep talk, he just said He said, come, because Jesus invites us into a engaging life and experience with the presence of Jesus. He's not interested in religion. He's interested in relationship. And I don't know any relationship that does not have experience. If you're you're in a relationship with someone and you're not experiencing them, you're not in a relationship. I'm married to my wife and we have lots of experiences. Okay, that works better in first service too. (laughs) And they're awesome. But it's because we have an ongoing relationship. And in the middle of relationship, there are experiences. And if you would open up your heart and get rid of some of the tradition and, uh, and walk into truth, you would begin to experience the power and the presence of Jesus in your life, working in you and through you. This is the thing that Jesus died for. He did not die so that you could just survive and drift and get into heaven one day. He died so that you could be called into this experience and be transformed into his image and into his likeness. This is an experience. All right, let's get into the word. John chapter 17, 13. So let me give you some context here. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and beginning to lay the, the framework and the reality of his destiny. He's going to the cross. And like most disciples, we're like, uh-uh. Like, we don't understand what you're saying. So Jesus like, you know what? I'm done talking to you. And in, in, chapter, in uh, chapter 17, Jesus changes his conversation. In 16, he was talking to his disciples. In 17, he's talking to God. Okay? So that's gonna help us understand who he's talking to here. He is talking to God, and it's important to note that he is doing it in front of his disciples. John 17, why? Because he's experienced. All right, cool. John 17, 13, "'I'm coming to you now, "'but I say these things while I'm still in the world "'so that they may have a full measure of my joy with them.'" Them, they, the disciples. "'I have given them,' the disciples, "'your word.'" and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Let me read that one more time. For they, the disciples, are not of the world any more than I, Jesus, am of the world. This is where it gets really messy. Verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth and the word is true. As you sent, check this, as you sent me, who is Jesus talking to you right now? The father. As look, as you sent me into the world, now I am sending them for I then for them, I sanctify myself that they may too truly be sanctified. There, is, This is some bold stuff. This is some bold prayers here. And Jesus is drawing this very distinct parallel between him and his disciples. And we've got to understand this. Jesus is literally saying, hey, Father, I'm not of this world. Can we all agree that Jesus is not of this world? Can we agree that when he was born of a virgin, birthed by the Holy Spirit, brought into the world by the power of God, Jesus is not of this world. And he says, Father, I'm not of this world, and neither are they. He draws a parallel. Neither are they. Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is true. Now, he says, Father, as you sent me, now I'm sending them. Man, I, listen. Jesus is saying, Father, how did, how did the Father send Jesus? Father, as you're sending me, now I'm sending them. All right, jump over to Acts chapter 16. Real quick, real quick, real quick. We're just going to read a lot of scripture. Is that okay? It's way better than me just rambling. So, Acts chapter 16. I'm going to connect these two passages together, and then we're going to go home and take a nap. Acts chapter 16. Let me read this. The segment of the story here, one day on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us and she was a psychic and with her fortune telling, made a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out these men, these men here are working for the Most High God. They're laying out the road of salvation for you. She did this for a number of days until Paul finally got annoyed with her and turned and commanded the spirit that possessed her out in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. And it was gone just like that. Verse 19, when her owners saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas. They roughed them up and dragged them into the market square. Then the police arrested them and pulled them into a court and began to accuse them. These men are disturbing the peace. They're dangerous Jews, agitators. They're subverting our Roman law and order. By this time, the crowd had turned into a restless mob out for blood. The judge went along with the mob, had Paul and Silas' clothes ripped off and ordered a public beating. And after beating them black, black and blue, they threw them into a jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so that they would, by no chance, escape. He did just that. He threw them into the maximum security cell of the jail and clamped their legs in irons. Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then without warning, a huge earthquake was released. The jailhouse began to shake and tremble and every door flew open and the prisoners were loosed. Startled from his sleep, the jailer saw that the doors had swung wide open on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword to take his own life. And Paul yelled and stopped him and said, stay your sword. Nobody has run away. The jailer got his torch out and ran outside badly shaken. He collapsed in front of Paul And he said, sir, how must I be saved? How must I be saved? We like, how many of you guys have ever heard that story before? Y'all ever heard that story preached before? I've been to church quite a lot and I've heard that story preached hundreds and hundreds of times. And most people, at least the ones I've heard, they like to camp out around the Along, around 25, verse 25, about the midnight hour. It's an easy preach, right? It's an easy preach. We start talking about the, you know, how symbolic the midnight hour is, like in your darkest emotional state at the midnight hour. You know, that's your worst end at the midnight hour. at your, well, and I'm like, look, it's the midnight. It doesn't need to get any darker than that. We should all be sleeping at the midnight hour. Shoot, I need my sleep. At the midnight hour, we talk about all this stuff, and then they say, and they begin to sing praises and hymns to God that God would set them free. Then all of a sudden, God answered their prayers and began to shake things, and everyone was set free. And the church goes wild, and we're like, yeah! And we talk about and we preach about, and there's probably some element to this, but we talk about and we preach about how this story is about God breaking you out, breaking you out of the prison, breaking you out of your jail, breaking out of the things that are binding you, and breaking you out of the things that are keeping you. And all that is good because there are other scriptures that would proclaim that and teach that, but in this context, if this story was about a breakout, then why did everyone stay in? Why'd everybody stay in? If this thing is about to break out, Paul, this, the, the, the jailer comes out and he's like, obviously everyone's gone. The jail's open, the chains are off. And do you know that there are people in the prison that are not Paul and Silas that probably belong there that are looking for ways to get out? And so it's obvious, of course, nobody's here. Who is hanging around in this place? Nobody. And we preach about the breakout, but if you read the whole story, nobody leaves. And I'll tell you why. You want to know why? Good. I'll tell you why. Because this story is not about breaking out. This story is about God breaking in. This story is about God breaking in. Let's go back to our previous, I'm getting excited, back into John. Jesus says, I'm not breaking you out of this world. Listen, Jesus says to the father, they are like me. They are not of the world like me. And just like me, the way you sent me, I'm sending them. Jesus did not save you so that you could escape prisons and get and just and just fly by the seat of your pants and just hope that one day maybe you get to heaven. Jesus took you out from darkness into light. Man, it's getting hot. It's getting hot. Excuse me, it's getting hot in here. Jesus did break you out of some things. He broke you out of darkness, and he put you into light. He broke you out of hopelessness, and he introduced to you hope. He broke you out of doubt and introduced to you faith. He broke you out of hopelessness and brought in hope. He broke you out of sickness and offered healing. He broke you out of depression and gave you joy. Yes, he broke you out, my friends, but he's not breaking you out of this world. He broke you out of darkness, and he placed you into light so that you could go back into darkness. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, this is an experience. Let's go back to the very beginning. This is an experience. Jesus is saying, come, come. I did the hard work, now I need to send you back in. Come, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. Come, come, come. You, come come. Sometimes Jesus got to get in your seat and grab your arm. And he's going to do this. He's going to do this until you can learn to walk for yourself. See, God, he's a shepherd. He's a good father. So he'll hold on to you as long as he has to. But then he's going to say, no, no, come, come, come. Learn to walk on your own two feet. Learn to walk with your own faith. Learn to prophesy and declare the word. Come on. We're going to go up to the mountains. We're going to go. We're going to do some things. There, I brought you out of darkness. I put you in the light. But brother, we're going back into darkness again. I'll, fo- I'll If you follow me, I'll lead you. Come, come. Come on, let's go to the valley. Let's go down in here in the mess. Come on, I'll lead you. I'll lead you. I know it's a struggle. I know it's tough, but we're not leaving. We got work to be done. Come, come. This is an experience with Jesus. Thank you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, come, 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 come. come. See, the reason why I'm so, I have so much hope, is, I'll be honest with you, like, who wants to go back into darkness? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And light, the purpose of light is to diminish darkness, it's to break it down on a nuclear level, it's to eradicate it, it's to get rid of it. And the Bible tells us that when you get born again, He puts that light on the inside of you. Paul prays, let my heart be flooded with light. Let it be flooded with light. What do you think light is for? (laughs) To get rid of darkness. To get rid of darkness. My friends, this story is not about God breaking people out. It's about breaking people in because at the end of a story, there is a lost jailer and his family. See, Paul and Silas are walking and doing the will of God. They're on a mission trip. How many of you have been on a mission trip before? That's holy work. Man, missionaries, global workers. They carry some heavy, heavy stuff. Paul and Silas are on a mission trip and they just delivered someone from demonic oppression. And you think that the product that would produce citywide revival, (laughs) like where's the rest of the Christians that are like, did you just see that? She's free. No, no. People took them and drug them and they put them in the prison. But if we can connect these, if we can connect these dots, God's heart was in a jail and he was just looking for someone who would be willing, who would be willing to respond to Jesus' come. Come. It's the psalmist that says that I will lead you by still waters. I'll restore your soul. I'll refresh you. But when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know that Psalms, is, those scriptures are all in the same in the same context, it's all about Jesus saying, Come, come. Yeah, I'll take you by times of refreshing. It's it's because you're refreshed, you're able to go back into darkness. It's, Jesus doesn't need to send sick people to go help sick people. That doesn't make no sense. Jesus will like, Jesus was like, if you're sick, you need it, you need a healer. If you're lost, you need someone to find you. And so we've got to get to a place where we surrender our hearts to the Holy Spirit to take on the identity that Jesus has given us and go back into darkness and do the things that Jesus has called us to do. This story is about breaking out. And I want to I note here that in the middle of their situation, I, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the story, when they were worshiping and praising God, I don't know why people think they were asking God to deliver them, but nowhere in the text does it suggest they were saying, God save us. Nowhere in the text is it, God release us. God, this isn't fair. God break us out. Nowhere in the text do we see them actually asking, God break us out. It seems to me they were just giving him glory because he's God. And he's good on your good days, on your bad days, whether you're in the valley or whether you're in the field, whether you're on the streets or whether you're in the prisons. It doesn't matter where you are or where you go or what God's called you to. Your external circumstances do not determine the worth and value of God. They don't. Friends, they don't. You know, I I know that people are going through a lot of stuff right now. And I I was telling the leaders at White Noise, like, I don't want to make light of the circumstances you're going through. But let me make light of the circumstances you're going through. Paul said that I make light my afflictions when i when I see the glory that I'm going to. When you bring your situations and your circumstances and the and the issues and the heaviness that you're carrying, and you put it in perfect perspective in the, li- in the lines of Jesus, all of a sudden the big mountains and giants you are facing become really, really small. That's right. And one of the ways that you do that is through worship. One of the ways you do that is coming to an altar. I know it's like, I don't really want to go up there, but as an expression of faith, get out and start worshiping God. I've come to find this that, listen, there's an experience to be had, and I've come to find this, that we're waiting here for God to come to us, and he's like, no, 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 I'm the one calling you to come. Oh, man. See, we get this backward. We get this backward all the time. We're like, Jesus, come, 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 come. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I already did that. You come, 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 come. And so here we are waiting on God, and God is saying, if you would just take a step, if you would come, if you would respond, I will meet you right there. I'll meet you right there. I'll meet you right there. Can I have some, can Olivia come up, or someone come up and do some music for me? I have, there are two people I felt like I needed to minister to this morning. The first person The first person is the one where they made a choice like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try to take a step and things got really hard. Have you ever been to services and you're like, all right, I'm all sold out for Jesus on Sunday and then Monday came around? (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever been the person where it's like, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, and it just doesn't work. And the way you're measuring its effectiveness is based off of the external pressure in your life. And I would like to share with you that the external pressure doesn't really have anything to do whether the word is working in your life or not. I would like to encourage you with this, that if you're following Jesus and things are tough, that's normal. (laughs) That's normal. That's normal. But I needed people to tell me, I, I just feel like maybe there's someone in here that's like, what am I doing wrong? What have I done wrong? Why isn't this working? And the conclusion, I you know, I know the conclusion because I've been there before. And the conclusion is, I don't have enough faith. God loves the world, but I don't know if I'm in his world. I don't know if he loves me. You know what the Bible says, but he loves everybody. So I'm kind of in that, but does he really love me? Why isn't this working? It must be because I'm beyond repair. I'm leaking and I cannot do this. And you're ready to quit because everything around you is really tough. And I just want to encourage you and tell you, listen, it's normal that external pressure would come when you make an internal decision to follow Jesus. Because listen, it starts internally and works its way externally. And so the external pressure that people seem to seem to run into when they make an internal decision is to try to keep what's internal, internal. But God didn't create a pond on the inside of you. He created a river. Ponds sit, rivers flow. Yes. Yes. I know. I I know it can be hard sometimes, but it's, it's normal. Yes, he took you out of darkness. He put you into light and in his light, he transforms you and changes you. But in the light, he wants to send you back into darkness to save every single one that we can. And please, please understand that it's the goodness of God that draws people and so allow the Lord to bless you like crazy and stop hiding the blessing of Jesus. Stop hiding the goodness of Jesus. Stop hiding it. Stop. Get back into darkness and declare, he is God, he is good. And my story is that I was broken, but now I'm not. And you know what, guess what? Here's part of my story. He is still working on me. He's still working on me. God does a perfect work. In his perfect work, he is perfecting me. Hebrews says that Jesus was a perfect sacrifice to perfect imperfect people. He's working on me. And you have said, I can't do this because I'm not perfect. No, you're not. But the one that's working on you is. And if you would just stay in sync with him, come come. If you would just stay in sync with him, he will continue to work. And while he's working, he will use you to kick the devil's butt. That's how good God is. Because he can take broken people, <laughs> he can take broken people and still storm the gates of hell. So I know, it's, I know it's hard. Don't stop. Don't quit. You can no longer use external pressure as an excuse to stay where you are. The second person I want to encouraged with is the person who's like, yeah, I am Paul and Silas. I'm in the heart of the jail. And I've been singing. I've been worshiping. I've been doing all the things. And the earthquake hadn't come yet. And I'm growing tired. And I'm growing weary. I know it works if I keep working it. I've been working it for a long time. And it It hasn't come yet. You see, the world will say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over to get different results. So from a leadership perspective, if it's not working, change your strategy. The Bible says you don't stop praying until the breakthrough comes you don't stop worshiping until it comes because we know that some of that, this is done by faith. But do you know that all of a sudden, when Jesus comes back, we won't need faith to believe in him? Listen, your faith has got a timestamp on it, buddy. Sooner or later, your promise is going to break through and you won't need faith for the healing anymore. It's just gonna come you like, I don't need to pray, I don't need to believe for this anymore, for I am seeing it, I am experiencing it right now. So for the one, let me remind you, for the one, Galatians 6, 9 says, so let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap a harvest. The word says you shall reap a harvest. God says you shall reap a harvest. So don't, don't grow weary. And you're like, I am growing weary. Okay. I'm staying don't. <laughs> How do I not grow weary? Remind yourself of the second part of that scripture. I shall reap a harvest. I just gotta hang in there because tomorrow could be my harvest day. It could be my harvest day. It could be, I shall reap a harvest. So I'm just gonna hang in there. I'm gonna keep worshiping God. I'm gonna keep praising God. I shall reap a harvest. I'll praise you God before you do it because you're just that good. I shall reap a harvest. That's how you not, you don't grow weary. If you get around, sometimes you need to preach to yourself. I know you don't get the eloquent languages and messages of Dr. Ken all the time, but if you could just walk around your house and just say, I shall reap a harvest, I shall reap a harvest. I dare you to try to do that for 30 minutes and try to stay quiet. You start doing that, the word will begin to stir faith on the inside of you. And all of a sudden the I shall reap a harvest is gonna start elevating. And all of a sudden the weariness is going to fade away. If you work the word, it'll work for you. This is an experience, y'all. Hold on, I'm not done yet, I'm almost done. Hold on, hold on, listen, listen, listen. Judges chapter 6, 13, Gideon's talking to the Lord. Please, my Lord, Gideon replied. If the Lord is with us, why is all of this happening? Has anyone ever asked that question before? God, if you're with me, then how in the world am I in a prison? Well, it's because you thought the, the narrative, you thought the text was about breaking out. but it's not it's about breaking in. that's why. So if the Lord is with us, then why is this happening? For we are back enslaved to the Midianites. Where are the wonders in which our fathers told us, saying, "Has not the Lord brought us out of Egypt?" The problem with Gideon's generation is they stopped experiencing God. I hate this scripture.) <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. I just did. I hate this scripture so much because it because it just messes me up. God's response is this: He says, "Go in the strength you have. Go in the str- no, 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 God. What I'm saying is I don't have any strength. I I don't know what you're talking about." How is this gonna happen, God? And he says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. Which means I don't know if you're down this low in the in the mineral in the middle of, your, of that prison. I don't know where you are, but if you're this low, if you would submit a mustard seed of strength and obedience to the King of Kings, you will be able to be anointed and gifted to save Israel to do the thing that God's called you to do. I want to encourage you for those who are starting to grow a little bit weary. Get up and go in the strength that you have, baby, because what you have is what God needs to do the thing that He wants to accomplish in you you're good enough you got this if you would submit your life to jesus and say i'm gonna i want to experience this i don't want to read about it i want to tell my own stories god's saying the strength you got yeah the little bit that you got left go in that and accomplish everything i've called you to accomplish he doesn't give you more strength what you have is enough Isaiah 55, 10, I'll close in this. It says, for those who are growing weary, the plan is not producing, the strategy is no longer sustainable, the outcome does not outweigh the output. For those of you that are in that boat, you will reap a harvest in due season. Go in the strength that you have. Isaiah 55, 10, i just read this and I'll be done. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return unto me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it so is my word that goes out of my mouth and it will not return unto me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and, I achieve the, and it will achieve the purposes for which I sent it. That's God talking about himself quite a lot in those little scriptures. And what he's trying to say and what he's trying to encourage some of you with this morning is that the word that God sent into your heart, it belong, do not forget that word belongs to him. And it was sent in your heart to accomplish the thing that he wants to accomplish. And it will not return unto him until it has accomplished what it has accomplished." So the word that's in your heart, it is not going anywhere until you fulfill the thing that God's called you to fulfill. So you can stop running and you might as well start surrendering and you might as well get in the light and let God do what he wants to do in your life and then get your behind back into the darkness and do the thing that Jesus has called you and equipped you to do. It's his word and it, will, it never returns to him until it's fulfilled the thing that he wants it to do. So can y'all stand with me just for a minute? Thank y'all for being here this morning and listening to my little talk. If you're the person that's like, you know, it's just getting tough, I'm ready to quit. You're not doing anything wrong, you're probably doing something right. Submitting your life to Jesus you're probably doing something right. So keep on walking to Jesus. Peter got in trouble when he got his eyes off Jesus. The reason why is because the wind and the waves are not worthy of your gaze. Get your eyes off of the wind and the waves and just see Jesus. And he will, he will walk you through this season. And for those of you who have said, yes, I'm running after his, his calling. I'm running after, I've answered the come and I'm in the middle of it. You don't need more information. You just need encouragement. It's you who's saying, Pastor Jason, I know I need to pray. I'm praying. I'm just getting discouraged. I just don't know if I want to keep it up anymore. I know I need to believe in faith. Trying to do that. Just discouraged. I just don't know how much longer I can keep it up anymore. Just want to encourage you that the word that God has placed in your heart will finish, its, will work itself, complete itself on the inside of you, and it will not return to the Lord until it's done. So keep on going. And please remember that you are not doing this for Him, you're doing it with Him. You're doing it with Him.